This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, We're glad that you are listening. Jalen, it's good to see you. How have you been? What have you been up to? Uh, doing well. You know, here in Chicago, we're starting to feel the fall weather. And I think with the fall, like this season, at least sports-wise, is one of my favorite seasons because, you know, it's uh, uh, baseball playoffs. It's uh, the start of the new NBA season. Football is in full swing for the NFL. And so all that stuff is really exciting. And I know that we've been talking about starting a fantasy basketball league uh, for actually – some of our, some of, you know, my kids and my brother's kids. And I know you're really close with our families. So we've been talking about that. I think it'd be really fun to get our kids really into it. Uh, I know both my boys and my nephews are really into basketball. They've been learning about the different players and it's been fun to to watch them get excited about things that I'm excited about. And so I'm looking forward to that. I think that we're going to try and do a a basketball league here soon. You're, you're going to be our official commissioner. So I'm excited about your leadership in that for us. But yeah, how are you doing? How are things going? <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited for that league. Um, already was starting to think through what will we name the league? What will I name my team? Um, but yeah, I'm excited to to have your voice um, get into basketball the way we were when we were younger. Yeah, and I know that you're looking at getting like a, a trophy, right? Like that yeah. would be super fun to get like a real trophy that somebody at the end of the year, at the end of the season will get to have. So that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to do some research and find a nice one, but I'm excited for that. Uh, For me, on a ministry level, um, we are in the process of planning a young adult retreat um, for this winter, and uh, it's very exciting for our church. We haven't had something like this in many years, and uh, the hope is to bring together young adult ministries from across all three congregations, our college students, even our high school seniors um, to join that retreat. And so, it's exciting, but I think the planning is also, you know, there's a lot involved and especially in this season with with COVID and all these restrictions, um, different guidelines we have to follow and, and things we have to think through that I think otherwise we would not normally have to think about. Yeah, it's just been uh, a little bit of a challenge, but I'm, I'm excited for what God is going to do uh, among our young adults and our young people and really looking forward to this because I, I feel like it's another step towards normalcy. Yeah, definitely. I think that certainly with all the challenges with logistics, that'll be something that you guys are going to work through. But yeah, I'm trusting God, praying that God would give you guys a really healthy and helpful time there. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, for our episode today, uh, we actually, this is, we don't have a different guest on this week. We have the second half of um, the episode we recorded with our previous guest with Reverend Dr. Tony Chan. Again, Tony is the Associate Director of English Ministries at River of Life Christian Church here in the South Bay. And so uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our episode with 
Tony, uh, or the first half of our episode with Tony, you should go ahead and do that. Otherwise, you're going to jump in mid-conversation, but this is the second half of the episode. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll be back here next week with a brand new episode, brand new guest. Another thing that I want to pick up on and, and kind of move on, um, uh, Tony, you mentioned that for you guys, when you left, for you and your family, you were able to leave well. And let's be honest, there's a lot of pastors and stories that we've heard where it doesn't end well, or they're not able to leave well. In the Chinese Heritage Church, how do pastors and ministers leave well as God moves them on? Yes, definitely. I can uh, totally resonate with uh, what you're what you shared. Um, that again, just to maybe share a little bit in regards to what I've experienced in the Korean church versus the Chinese church. I think a lot of times that in the Korean church that I've noticed and I've seen very different uh, is that within the Korean church, when a pastor or someone, uh, someone who's in ministry does leave, that a lot of times that it's not done well and that a lot of bridges are burned and something that I've noticed and I've seen. And then I thought that that was just the standard or that was what happened for all churches because that was just my experience is that that's what happened when pastors left and so that again what I've seen in the Korean church but the tendency that I have seen in the Chinese church and in what I have personally experienced again uh, is that in the Chinese church I see pastors and those in ministry leave a lot better in the sense of that I think there's an idea of community in the Chinese church that's different than the Korean church. So in the Korean church, how they view community is that it's through a vision and that when there's a vision, it draws and brings people together. And so what maybe people might view as the Korean church having a strong community, that community is really founded and based on a vision and a purpose. And they're gathering together to fulfill that and to accomplish that goal. And so that's what a lot of times brings, I believe, Korean together. And that's what surrounds like we're surrounded by that community. And so for the Korean church, a lot of times what they see is, is that they don't plant the church because they see that there's Koreans that are there, but they just believe that they have a calling from God and therefore they plant the church. And then because of that vision, Koreans will join and they'll drive from far away to be able to build that community. While I've seen many times in the Chinese church, the understanding of community is, is that uh, where there are uh, many Chinese, that that's where we want to build a church and so want to build a community around those who are presently already there. And so I've noticed that a lot of Chinese churches always are around areas of either tech or universities. And even in regards to Chinese churches where they have the, the name Chinese Christian Mission Church or the name Mission within the name of the church. And then when I even ask them in regards to why they have the name Mission, like what missionaries do they have in throughout the world? And I think the understanding is, is that they're like, what do you mean we don't have people as missionaries overseas, that this is our mission field. And so I think the two distinctions that I have seen within the Korean culture and the Chinese culture, that Koreans idea and understanding of missions is very vision driven. And therefore the idea of missions is sending people overseas while a lot more in regards to Chinese that I've seen in the Chinese church and community is seeing that it's, it's really based in the community that where they see it, it's more of a local missions than in regards to necessarily global missions. And so why I kind of uh, add that, I think is, is because of the fact of um, where there's in both cultures, I think a misunderstanding of a biblical sense of unity. 
uh, unity that is biblical that Jesus is talking about is completely different in regards to what the Korean church understands. And my experience in the Chinese church is the sense of, I think, confusion with unity and harmony. And I think that harmony a lot of times trumps the understanding of biblical unity within the church. And so why I share all of this to get to this point is because of why in some sense it may seem as if people or pastors that leave the Chinese church leave well is because actually it's driven by culture. So when they leave, they don't want to rock the boat. If there's issues of either sin or anything else within the church, that won't be addressed because harmony actually is a priority over everything else. So it doesn't necessarily mean that when a pastor leaves and that there isn't any fighting or division that is caused in that leaving, does that mean that that's leaving well? Um, and that's, you know, I think a large question uh, that could be raised. But in regards to still what I've seen is, is that in the Chinese church, I do still believe that one aspect that I really do appreciate is, is that I've seen in many Chinese churches where the pastors, once they leave, they're invited to come back. And so they continue to maintain that relationship that builds one another up, which I think is sorely missing in the Korean church. And I don't see that, that when that kind of leaving happens, it, it's a clean break and that there's a lot of bitterness and animosity that carries on and it becomes very difficult. And so again, um, each church is different and there's caveats, but that's what I've seen uh, in my personal experience and in some of my interactions with other Chinese churches in regards to pastors leaving well is that part of that deals with the fact of, I think this idea of uh, mixing culture and having this understanding of what biblical unity looks like. And so um, I can speak more into that as well. No, yeah, I think that's really interesting, the idea of unity versus harmony and your experience of seeing that for a lot of Chinese heritage churches, harmony is prized above unity. C could you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, so uh, in regards to... Um, Again, that question of what really is the understanding in regards to coming together and being united as one as a body of Christ. And so when there is, let's say, an issue that does need to be addressed, right, that is really the decision to say that what we're going to choose to do, is it based on the fact that we can't uh, enter into a discussion where it might actually be uncomfortable for people? And I think a lot of times that uh, a lot of discussions within the church, in the Chinese church, are not discussed or touched or addressed. It's because of the sense of we need to maintain harmony, as opposed to saying that even if it's difficult, that we need to talk about this, because for the sake of the unity of the church, meaning that what is it that ultimately is the body of Christ and to love one another, even if it means at times where it's difficult, where there has to be a form of even maybe church discipline and to do that lovingly, to be able to have an understanding of how that actually brings the believer into the body of Christ and it unites the church as opposed to completely avoiding that and thinking that by either covering it or overseeing or overlooking these things, that that is what unity is. Um, as long as everybody is at peace and at harmony, then we're okay. Well, wow, Tony, you know, I, I really appreciate that perspective and that thought. Um, and, and that's not an easy thing for us to to wrestle with that, you know, sometimes for the sake of of harmony, right, of not rocking the boat, we're shoving things under the rug. Uh, and that actually is a disservice to the family of God, because 
Uh, I don't think it produces in us what God wants. It just avoids the conflict rather than maybe conflict sometimes causing us to grow. Um, so thank you for that, you know, kind of big picture perspective. Um, I, I will share from just for myself, when I made the decision to move on or and felt the Lord was calling me to leave, you know, I wanted to actually bring everything out onto the table um, in, in some senses. I, I didn't necessarily feel like um, there was that same having to put things under the rug for myself. Um, but one of the things that I, I wanted to do well as I was leaving, and, and this is kind of the original question that Jalen asked us was, was that I, I didn't want for my students to have to, like if I lingered for a long time and I made that goodbye really, really long, uh, I felt like that would be really hard for, for my students. I, it was already hard for me. Um, and I, I felt that for them, it might be even more difficult. And so, you know, I, I remember when I told the church that I was leaving, it was like mid July and I had already planned to go on a sabbatical in September. And there was a part of me that thought, well, you could just wait till the end of sabbatical to leave, right? In case the church takes it away, which they didn't thankfully. Um, but I kind of knew like if I dragged it out and like left things hanging, that it would not be what was best for my students. And so I kind of pushed for our church to, to, uh, for, to let me make the announcement that I was leaving as soon as possible so that my students could really process and, uh, and for us to grieve together that I was leaving because I don't think, well, I mean, I'd like to think that my students didn't want me to go. I definitely didn't want to go, but we had to come to terms with the fact that God was um, moving me on. And that was, you know, and I had to walk in obedience and they had to trust that God was going to provide uh, a new leader for them, uh, which he did. And so, yeah, I, I remember it was like kind of a short period. And then I also was intentional about after I left, not visiting too soon, you know, and not saying hi too soon um, to kind of give them space to come under the leadership of, of the new leader, the, the, the new youth pastor, basically. And so I, that was difficult, but I think it was a necessary part of leaving well. And, and I'll add uh, one thing that I uh, kind of noticed in my conversations. I felt like my students who had uh, already graduated from the youth group were in college or even beyond college took my announcement that I was leaving much more difficult. It was much harder for them than the students who were currently in the youth group. And at first I was a little put off by that. I was like, oh man, like, do my current students not love me or something like try to make it about myself, I guess. But uh, one of the conversations I had with my mom about it as I was processing this was she pointed out that for many of my former students, you know, the idea of youth group, and the idea of, of our church is kind of a closed story for them. It's a closed memory. And so me leaving really changes that that story for them. Whereas for my current students, the ones who are in the youth group, like kind of what they perceive as youth group and me included in that is still evolving and still changing. And so they're adapting even as I leave. And, and that was really helpful for me because it, it allowed me to kind of ha learn how to process with different people in different ways, because I knew that they were kind of going through my decision to leave differently. And, and I think that's probably something that we could learn is that not everyone is going to process or handle pastors transitioning and pastors themselves are going to process it differently. And so we kind of have to handle it on a case by case basis. Yeah. And I agree totally. And I, I think resonate with a lot of what you shared as well. And so I think one of the key things, and I think very similar to you of leaving well, 
is, is that for myself as well. Actually, I told the board and even that the church knew a, a whole year before. So it was actually a one year transition process of me stepping down so that I didn't want to just suddenly leave and leave the church without actually setting up and having some succession plan. So that again, uh, for the sake of the members, that it's not as if I'm just leaving and I have to, the church has to now try to figure out how to be able to continue the ministry. And so I think that was a, a, a very good part of actually being able to leave well and in a way that as our family was transitioning and leaving that the church can kind of even encourage and to celebrate that um, as I was transitioning out. Because I think, yeah, just I've experienced in the past and I know a lot of churches that sometimes that announcement just happens the Sunday of and the pastor says, I'm leaving today, it's my last day. Or even actually the church announces actually the pastor's last day was last Sunday. <laughs> and so you're not gonna see them anymore. And so I think definitely um, that's, I think a way that you leave well as well as for me, I think there was also, I think, just like you said, not coming back too soon, because I think not just for the church and the students, that for the pastor too, there's a sense of also, I think, kind of mourning uh, that needs to take place as well, because there is still that sense of loss and the years and that it, it is your family in a sense, and then having to leave that because that was such a, a large part of just our lives. And so to be able to do that and to have some time as well, but then also seeing the bigger kingdom and the bigger picture is, is that it's not that I'm not going to be involved in their lives anymore. I think that a big part too is, is that I remember when I was in seminary, always hearing that the, the job of the pastor is to uh, work themselves out of the job. And so that in essence is that as a pastor, what we're trying to do is to build structure, to build uh, sustainability so that in a sense, the ministry can run even if the pastor is not there to make sure that it's continuing on. And so therefore that wasn't one aspect in being able to leave uh, well, that knowing that, that the ministry was also either in good hands or that a lot of what was established was healthy structures for the ministry to continue on. And so these are all things that I've seen that are ways in which I think that is a way that pastors can leave well. Yeah, and you know, I think for, for us, like we build up these relationships with students over many years and it is hard to say goodbye and hard to, um, you know, to move on or to leave. But, you know, the reality is, is that especially maybe for the Chinese Heritage Church or for many Asian American churches, like family and community are, are one of the pillars of who we are, right? It's, it defines everything. Like ministry is often done from the context of relationship and community. And so oftentimes when you move on, those relationships don't just disappear overnight. And so we oftentimes keep up with students. I know that you just recently officiated some weddings probably for former students of yours. And uh, I've done that myself uh, even this year. And so but I think a question that I have for you, Tony, is what are some ways that you have uh, maintained those relationships in a healthy way or, or what's a healthy way of doing that, caring for or shepherding people that are maybe no longer in your immediate congregation, but you still have a pastoral relationship with, with them? Yeah, so I think that um, we still maintain, not with um, every single person, but I think that, again, because of the relationship that we built, uh, that especially in certain seasons in their life, I think they do reach out to me or at times I just message them sometimes saying that I'm thinking about you or praying uh, for you. And so I think that, um, again, that there's an understanding with, again, moving in different seasons and even wanting to encourage people to actually find a church if they're not in one. And that in a sense that 
Um, I was their pastor, I still am, but that, that relationship does look different and I'm able to be here as a brother in Christ and with whatever I can pour into that I am able to do that. And so I think, again, it's uh, something that where there is that relationship and they understand that and they know that as well. And they feel as if that they can still come to me and still be able to not have the same kind of access and the time in that they, we've had before, but knowing that I'm there, that if they can share anything that they're struggling or going through and that I'm there to hear and to listen and to even pray for them. And so I've seen a lot of people, even in just the short interactions that I have, that they very much appreciate it. And then again, trying to steer them to, again, I think that many of the people we minister to in youth, that we know just the fact that many of them fall away from either church or they don't go back or they don't believe or follow God anymore. And so again, I think that seeing it from a more long-term perspective, that there's an opportunity where you're able to continue to minister because I think that there is that relationship that's there. And so I think to have that kind of kingdom view set, uh, that is able to, I think, speak into, I think, the way that we minister into people to see that it's not just I've left and that's it, but that I've had people like that I haven't talked to like 10 years later then reaching out to me and then now saying, hey, I remember when I was in youth and, you know, I'm looking for a church because I'm in the season of my life and I need God. Yeah, I think that's important to remember that even if we're not shepherding them any longer, that we do still have relationship with them as their brother in Christ and that the influence that we may have had previously, God can still use and God will still use. I think that's important for us to remember so that we don't try to hold on to those relationships too long or try to force relationships to, 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 to last longer than they should. Um, but I want to ask, you know, kind of as you've transitioned out now for you, Tony, uh, what are some of the first one or two steps that you've taken to transition into a new Chinese heritage church? What are some important things that, you know, maybe there's uh, some of our listeners might be transitioning or looking to transition transition into new church. What is some advice that you would give? Uh, and John, I'll ask you the, the same question after Tony answers, but what are some steps that you should take as you enter into a new Chinese heritage church? Yeah, definitely. I think this is really important, right? especially for those who maybe uh, don't have as much of an Asian cultural context. And I know that Again, um, in a lot of Asian churches that we again have uh, just a diversity of people entering into, I think the Asian church that don't have that Asian cultural context and that understanding. And so I think one of the things is, is that uh, there's a nuance in uh, trying to be able to understand when what people say and what they actually mean and to be able to read behind the lines or in between the lines. And I think more than taking at face value what people say in the Asian American church is to maybe try to observe what they actually do. And so maybe one kind of good example was that there was one church that I was at. And so they told me that as a pastor that I have the freedom to be able to work wherever I want. I don't need to come into the office. And I said that that's great. And so the first week I was working at a cafe and then I get a phone call and it, you know, I'm asking like, Hey, what, what are you doing? And I said, I'm in a cafe working. He said, why aren't you in the church office? And I said, Oh, I was told that I don't need to be in the office. Do I need to be there? And they're like, no, 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 you don't have to be there. And then I was like, Oh yeah, that's what I understood too. So I'm working at the cafe. It's like, Oh yeah, that's great. But why aren't you here right now? 
And I said, wait, I still don't understand. So do you want me to go there? Like, no, no, no. You're like, Just work wherever you want. That's okay. But why aren't you in the office? And I realized quickly, I was like, okay, okay. What you really mean is you want me in the office? It's like, no, 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 no. And I said, okay, I'll be there. And so actually, if I had observed, you know, prior to taking that action and just say, I want to just watch and see uh, what the culture is like. I would have known right away that there's no person in that church or pastor that works outside of the office, that everybody's always in the office. And so I think there are certain nuances and certain things that I think that a person can learn by first kind of being able to observe the culture um, and not just taking things at face value and what you know essentially someone is uh, saying and to be able to kind of read between that. And so I think with that, the second thing would be to help somebody navigate through that. I think it's really necessary to have somebody or a team that you build or quickly form that will be able to help you to speak into that, um, as well as somebody that can bridge that gap in regards to, I think, not just language-wise, but culture-wise, and especially if you're doing anything else where you're in English, you, I mean, children, youth, or English adult, that you still need, because we understand that the Asian American church is very much about community and family, that there still is a connection to the Chinese congregation or the, the first generation speaking congregation and needing somebody to help to navigate through that and to be a bridge to actually build that communication and understanding. Yeah, Tony, I like how you said that one of the things that you really should have done in that situation was really observe um, the culture of the church that you're stepping into. And, and I think that's just so vitally important, not just from a staff level, but um, really observing and learning the ministry that you're a part of. One of my uh, ministry mentors early in my time at uh, at my previous church, something he told me was like, when you enter into a new ministry, you almost don't want to touch anything for, if you can, the first year. Now, sometimes churches have expectations for what you're going to do and what you're going to bring to the table. They want you to implement certain things or, or maybe in their minds have a bigger impact sooner, but there's something healthy about getting to know and understand your congregation and understand the people that you're serving. And that takes time. You can't just do that right away. And, and I know for myself and maybe for other pastors, it can be tempting to want to just come uh, right in with like all these new ideas and all these things we want to change. And again, sometimes that's necessary, right? Because of where the church is at, um, you know, if it's in an unhealthy place, you may have to make some changes early on so that you can help the church come to a to a, a healthy place or a healthy spot. But I, I remember, you know, or at least something that I was I had to wrestle with is that I can be tempted to just do things the way that I did at my previous stop because it was successful there. And so I'm just going to replicate that in the new ministry. And that may not always work because it's two different groups of people. God is calling you to shepherd two different flocks, and those may not have the same characteristics, the same culture, um, and may have different needs. And there's no way to really understand that without spending significant time with them. And so I know for myself, this year, uh, this past year here in San Jose, one of the challenges for me has been it's been really hard to really get to know the culture of the church through you know, a Zoom call or through a computer screen because of our COVID um, limitations. And so I, I find even myself now, like a year into it or over a year into it, that I'm still trying to figure out like who we are. I'm learning new things about our church, you know, 15 months in that I had no idea about when I, when I got here um, because we just haven't been able to really experience those things together. But it's been a joy and, and something exciting for me to, yeah, to really explore learning this new church even 
uh, a year and a half and I, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. But what about for you, Jalen? I know, you know, when you made the transition from um, from South Loop Community Church to CCFC, uh, that was a pretty big change, like going from serving basically in uh, one neighborhood and then completely transplanting your family. What, what were some of those things that you did uh, early on, first steps that you would encourage other people to to do? Yeah, you know, I find in the Chinese Heritage Church that there are particular gatekeepers that you want to earn the trust of. Sometimes those are the elders of the first generation. Sometimes it's the pastor. Uh, sometimes it's just an, an older person in the church. And so it takes some time, I think, for, for us when we go into a new ministry to understand and to recognize who are the gatekeepers here and to earn their trust, to be able to sit down with them. You know, for our church, I think that when I came here, I recognized that there were certainly elders um, who, who were the gatekeepers. And then there were also some older people in our church who were gatekeepers. By gatekeepers, I mean sort of the people who, who are uh, the ones who, who have a particular uh, shepherding heart for the church in a, in a most positive sense, I guess. Uh, the ones who uh, kind of allow things to happen or, or not to happen. People that you want to uh, get their approval. And so for those people, I think it's important to uh, to really identify who they are initially and be able to work well with them um, and, and to have a healthy relationship with them because those are the people whom I think over time for me here at this church I've been I've been I've been blessed to have healthy relationships with them so that we can we can work together Tony earlier you said that a lot of times decisions are made congregationally or decisions are made in in teams in, in teamwork and so if you don't have the trust of those other gatekeepers, if you don't have the trust of the people that you're serving alongside, it's going to be really hard to make decisions together or to, to go forward on a particular issue. And so I, I've learned that it's important for us to earn the trust of the gatekeepers by first identifying who they are and then being able to work alongside them and learn from them. And, uh, you know, I know for me, part of it has been having long conversations over meals or uh, just listening to the stories that they've had of the church that they've grown up in and then being able to, uh, to, to earn their trust that way. Yeah, Jalen, that's a great, that's a great thought. Thank you just so much for um, that insight of really building relationship with the gatekeepers. Uh, I think that that is, is valuable insight for all of our listeners. Tony, we've been talking for quite a while now. And so we really appreciate you being on the podcast with us. It's, this is a conversation that we have loved uh, it's been fun and exciting, and I think it's a product of the relationship that the three of us have, and we like spending time together. That's why this episode's going long. But we want to wrap it up just with one more question, and I, I was wondering if you could just share one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to somebody that's currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church. Yeah, definitely. I would just first say to really enjoy uh, the food that in many Chinese churches, uh, there's a lot of great food, so I uh, really enjoy that. And so... I think the other thing that I just want to encourage and say is, is that uh, many pastors or people who are in ministry, when they see the Asian American church or an ethnic church, that there's this pull or draw to believe that the kingdom of God really is a multi-ethnic church and wanting to really be a part of 
something like that and not really viewing and seeing the Asian American church in that way. But what I want to speak into it and say is, is that as you're in the Asian American church and serving in that context, that it is very diverse, that you have people who are from Hong Kong, you have people who are from Singapore, from China, Malaysia, Indonesia. And so you have all these different cultures and even different languages from Mandarin to Cantonese and a lot of other, again, dialects that when it comes all together, really, that you do have this diverse church intergenerationally as well and different languages from also an English congregation to Chinese congregation. And so all of that to really say is, is that I believe that whoever you are that you're serving in uh, Asian American church and especially in a Chinese heritage church that God really has placed you there to do I think great things because it goes beyond just the understanding of your church and especially ministering I think to people who have relationships to those who are in China and I think I see even in the time that I've served in the Chinese church and I continue to serve that we actually have the possibility of raising people like who are might be one day like Apostle Paul's that can really change the nation of China and all of Asia. And so that's something that I want to, I think, put into perspective and to see again that you're participating in not just one ethnic culture and just one nation, but that actually it is very multi-ethnic, multifaceted, and it's a larger body of Christ that goes beyond just one ethnicity. Good word, Tony. Always so good to see you and to talk to you. John, as always, good to see you and talk to you as well. Uh, we're so glad that you've joined us, Tony. And we're looking forward to another time where we can have another podcast with you. And so hopefully that'll be sooner rather than later. But that'll do it for this episode of our podcast. Tony, thank you again. All right. Thank you guys so much. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.